Welcome to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this new message from Pastor Brian Gibbs. Praise God. I'd like you to grab your Bibles tonight if you would. I'd like you to go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're going to clock some miles in tonight in the Spirit. How about we do that? And we're going to move in the Word tonight. And so we're asking for just a level of prophetic inspiration, a level of prophetic anointing through the Scriptures so that the Word of God becomes so alive to us that it begins to burn within us. That we're not just looking to the Word of God going through it historically in its context, but that it literally becomes life to us so that the Word becomes flesh and dwells in us. Amen? Are you tracking with me? John begins to write, and he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then he writes down in verse 14, he says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And our desire is, is every time that we break open the Logos, the written Word of God, that the living, breathing Word of God, the Spirit of God breathes upon the Word, and it becomes alive in us. It literally takes on form and shape and flesh in us. It becomes a living, breathing reality. Amen? The Word has to become our living, breathing reality. It has to become our final authority. Amen? So I told you Matthew, or uh, excuse me, 1 Samuel 17. I want you to take some notes tonight, and if you are taking notes, I want you to write this down, because this is what I heard in my spirit late last night, and then the first thing as I woke up this morning, from danger zone to victory zone. From danger zone to victory zone. Hmm. Where's Brian going with that? Why don't you stay with me, hey? From danger zone to victory zone. Now, last night I fell asleep. I don't know what time Brent and I went to bed, but I was falling asleep and I was praying for our DHS, which is our Department of Homeland Security. And it was the last thing that I was praying about as I just went into the night and fell asleep, but was praying for our homeland security, was praying over our southern border. And I kept hearing, um, if, if, <laughs> if, if you want to know what, what goes to the minds of, of really deep probing, deep theologians and deep thinkers like me, um, the, the, what I heard, uh, c- come on, laugh, please. And, and so what I kept hearing was, was the words by Kenny Loggins from the 80s right into the danger zone. How many remember the good old Top Gun, Tom Cruise? Yeah. I, I, it wasn't a great flick, but just stay with me. So I, I'm praying last night, and I'm laying there, and I'm praying over our southern border, and I'm making declarations quietly. Brenda's falling asleep, and I'm falling asleep, and I'm praying, but I kept hearing that in my heart right into the danger zone, and I started praying. I started declaring this, that we are going to move in time from danger zones to a transformational time where they will declare it, it is a victory zone. 
It's gone from danger to victory. A friend of me and Brens, they just returned from Yuma, Texas just a few days ago. And they went down on the border crisis to view it for themselves and to see the absolute crisis that is at hand. And I took some notes from the conversation that she shared with us. And there was 33 churches that was meeting together that was working with ICE and our border control. What was so notable is she said that the border control, that their spirit is literally broken. And we spent a lot of time here at Victory praying for our nation, lifting up our president, praying for our borders. Amen. This is something that, that is within the thread of the DNA of this house. You're not in a political rally. You're in the ecclesia. You're in the church that the enemy will not defeat. Come on. You're in an embassy amongst ambassadors, mighty ambassadors and, mis- and, and messengers for the kingdom of God. That's who you're sitting amongst tonight. And so she began to share with us about the border control, and she began to share about how broken they are in their spirit and how the border control is literally running a baby and daycare center right now for trafficked kids. The border patrol agents, she told us, are sitting in back with watching untold amounts of children that do not belong to the people that brought them to the border. And they are sitting on the floor watching Dora, Dora the Explorer with these kids. Our, our Coast Guards are literally making individual packets of formula for little bitty kids. Now, you let, you let this sink in tonight. This is hard to say, and it's hard to hear. She told us, she said, Brian... Out of 28 Border Patrol soldiers, 25 of them were in the back with families and little children taking care of them while only three were able to patrol and guard and protect the border. They said in Yuma, Texas, over 60,000 illegals have come through Yuma alone. The majority of them, the majority of them, carrying children that do not belong to them. This is not made up information. This is reality. Now, we're going somewhere tonight, so strap in. There's an overrunning of Guatemalan people. We've ministered there. We've been there. But these people are showing up. And they are paying, they, they are paying $1,500 per child to act like these children are theirs. Then they pay a tax and a fee to those that are known as the coyotes who are the drug runners and the drug cartel and smugglers at the border. It's bondage upon bondage upon bondage. They're recycling the kids, she told us. Brian, they're recycling these kids Constantly. She said the children are loaded down with scabies and with lice. It's unprecedented. Now, I'm, I'm sitting up this message in a way. I, I never come in a premeditated fashion knowing how any message is going to come about. 
But I know that there is a sobering tone about this message. But there is good news in this message. We are going to move from danger zones into victory zones. Before we open this passage that many of us are so very familiar with, I believe there are gems in here, gems, G-E-M-S, for us to harvest tonight in the life of David as he comes upon this battle. And we are in a time, we have to know the season that we are in. We are not in a season and a time of peace, ladies and gentlemen. We are in a season and a, and a time of great warfare and war. And we have to recognize the hour and understand that we have to receive divine strategy from the Lord to be able to fight the good fight of faith and wage a good and victorious and triumphant warfare in this hour. We have far too many Christians. I'm not talking condescending. I'm talking very real. We have far many, too many carnal, sleeping Christians that have, they have worked so hard to insulate their life from hearing anything hard. They have worked so hard at building up walls around their own little lives, their own little petty worlds. They have insulated their lives so much in order not to hear something hard so that they can just live at peace with themselves. They act like they're doing God such a great favor by just showing up to church. But that's not who I'm preaching to tonight. I am preaching to the ecclesia of God. And Jesus said, this ecclesia, this church that he is building, he said literally the gates of hell will not prevail against the church that Jesus is building. I am speaking to you tonight as mighty ones of God. Are you with me? I'm speaking to mighty ones of God. Are you with me? Are you the ambassador? Are you the messenger? Are you the woman? Are you the man that God will entrust to speak to, to give you a divine heavenly assignment and you will not turn away from the hard sayings and the word of the Lord? There is a divine summoning happening right now. I'm going to say that again. There is a divine summoning by the Holy Spirit that is moving us into a convergence of something so extraordinary because now is the hour to conquer. Now is the hour to take dominion. Now is the hour to apprehend the territory that God says it is ours and bring the peace of the kingdom of God. The kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. The only reason we go to war is to establish peace. The only reason that we go to war is to establish the peace of the kingdom of God. And this is the hour that we must recognize. Listen, we must let the Holy Spirit 
speaks sternly to us because there is territory to apprehend. There are mountains to climb and mountains to conquer in this hour for the kingdom. Whoo, I'm coming on strong tonight. I'm trying, thank you. <laughs> I mentioned this several weeks ago when Caleb turned to Joshua and he said, listen, 45 years have now ticked off my life. 45 years have ticked off my life since Moses said, that mountain is mine. And now he said, I'm ready to take that mountain. Give me my mountain. When he looked to the mountain, at the top of that mountain, there was a beautiful city. And it was a place that had been taken over by a giant. It was called Kirjath Arba, if you're taking notes tonight. Kirjath Arba. But it had been known previously as Hebron. Hebron means friendship with God. Do you know why it was called Hebron? Because God's friend Abraham and his wife Sarah were buried in Hebron. And so a, a giant came and he desecrated the city and took it over and made it a stronghold. His name was Arba. And he had three sons. They were all giants. And when Caleb was saying, when he said, give me that mountain, he was literally saying, you give me those giants and I will take them out. I will annihilate them and I will restore the city. I will restore Hebron once again to be known as a place of friendship with God. Now you think as you're listening to these words, you're just hearing me romanticize biblical history. I'm telling you that America from coast to coast belongs to the Lord our God. It is our nation. Come on. It is our nation. It is our inheritance. And there is a divine awakening going on within the ecclesia of God that we will not back up any longer. This is our land. This is our inheritance. This is our watch. This is our time. And God is specifically mantling people for this hour to bring victory to that which was danger zones, but now will be Zones of victory and triumph. Come on. Come on, are you with me? You're like, is Brian ever going to get to 1 Samuel 17? We hope so. <laughs> second Chronicles 32. i got to grab these verses for just a second because go ahead and go there. Because last week we were with Hezekiah, and I, I want to thank all of you for writing me about clean wells and pure waters and hearts that are not contaminated by poison. So many of you wrote me and told me how deeply you were impacted. People wrote me online and live streaming, and I thank you for that. But as I was preparing these mes this message for tonight, I could hear Hezekiah's words still ringing in my spirit because they're words of faith and they're words of encouragement. And you need to hear this again tonight. It says in verse 6 
of 2 Chronicles 32, are you there? It says that Hezekiah, he set his military captains over the people. He gathered them together to him in an open square of the city gate, and he gave them encouragement. Isn't that awesome? How many of you need some encouragement tonight? That's great. Four people. That's fantastic. How many of you need encouragement tonight? Okay, yeah, so does Brian. Okay, and he gave them encouragement, and here's the encouragement. Ready? Verse 7, be strong and courageous. Are you there? Come on, are you there? Be strong and courageous, and do not be afraid, nor dismayed of the king of, of Assyria, nor before the multitude that is with him, for there are more with us than with him. Oh, I love this. You ready? Ha. Verse 8, with him is the arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God who will help us to fight our battles. What a mighty declaration. They're coming to us with the arm of the flesh, but they don't know. We've got superior, superior mighty weapons that they know nothing about. Glory to God for our, the weapons of our warfare. They are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Woo! Glory. Come on, shout to the Lord tonight. And the people were strengthened by the words of Hezekiah, the king of Judah. They were strengthened. It's what happens when faith comes alive in you. When a spiritual reality becomes revelation in you. Because see, revelation is the only thing that establishes authority. Revelation is what establishes authority. And your faith begins to come alive and Burn, unstoppable, unquenchable. Are you with me tonight? I'm just laying some foundations tonight. Come on, are you with me? They come at us with the arm of flesh. We're seeing a lot of arm of flesh in this hour, aren't we? Ha. Ha, ha, ha. Samuel chapter 17. I, I got to say this again. I'm telling you. We are coming into a timely convergence, a timely convergence. It is time for you to be a voice for God. It is time for you to be a voice for God. I'm not talking about you writing a little another thing on Twitter. I'm not talking about another little Facebook post and thinking that you're courageous. No, I'm talking about you, you becoming a voice for God. I'm talking about you. Stop ignoring and putting off the controversy that's happening in our nation because God is knocking on the door of your heart to be his man, to be his woman, to be his messenger, to be his mouthpiece, to speak a true, burning, uncompromised word in this hour. I wonder what it would be like to have David tonight preach his story. In verse 2, And Saul and the men of Israel, they were gathered together, and they encamped in the valley of Elah. 
And they drew up in the battle array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with a valley in between them. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from the city of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. That's nine feet, four inches tall. Wow. Nine feet, four inches tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head. He was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shackles of bronze. That's 148 pounds. Wow. That's 148 pounds. He was thick. He was big. He was bad. Bad. So verse 6, are you still there? Come on. (laughs) He had bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now, A staff was, or excuse me, now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spear weighed 600 shekels, and the shield bearer went before him. Then he stood and he cried out to the armies of Israel, and he said to them, why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and your servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself and let him down, let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and I kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and, and Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and they were greatly Afraid. They were greatly afraid. Let me give you some different words to that. Intimidation began to work on them. This is always the tactic of the enemy is to bind you in a level of intimidation and a level of mockery so that you don't move forward. And see, that was the big problem. They, they had been there for 40 days, but 41 was about to come. 40 days, and they're just dressing up for battle. Nothing's really happening. They're dressing up. They're looking sharp. They're grabbing flags. They're grabbing banners. They're looking like something's on, like something's about to happen. But in all their dressing up and coming and going and coming and going and coming and going, and dressing up for battle, nothing's really happening because intimidation and mockery has them stuck. We're not just romancing history tonight, are we? And now David was the son of that Ephrathite of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse, who had eight sons, and the man was old, advanced in years, In the days of Saul, the three oldest sons that Jesse had had gone to follow Saul to the battle. I'm in verse 13. The names of the three sons that went to battle were Eliab, the firstborn, next Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest, and the three oldest followed Saul. But David occasionally went, and he returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep, at Bethlehem. How many of you are tracking with me on verse 15? Because, see, David had a ministry unto King Saul. How many of you remember this? David would bring his harp, and he would play before the king, and it would literally quiet 
his spirit where he was being vexed and he was being tormented. And from time to time, David would leave his post at the palace where he had to minister to Saul and he would come back and he would take care of the sheep. Are you there? David occasionally went and he turned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistine drew near and he presented himself 40 days, morning and evening. And Jesse said to his son David, Now take now to your brothers this ephod of dry grain and these ten loaves of bread. Run it to your brothers at the camp. Carry these ten cheeses to the captain of their thousand and see how your brothers fare and bring back news of them. Seems pretty simple, right? A, a very simple assignment. Why don't you write that down? Because it, we're going to go somewhere with this in a little while. It was a simple assignment. Dad calls him in. Listen, I need to give you an assignment. I need to give you some bread. I need to give you some grain. I need to give you some cheese. I want you to check on your brothers. I want you to bring word back to me. It's a simple assignment. Ha. Huh. But something was about to converge. And now Saul... And they and all the men of Israel were at the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. And basically, it was a fighting of words at this point. Are you all seeing that? Come on, are you all seeing it? It was just a fighting of words. And so David rose early in the morning. He left the sheep with a keeper. He took the things, and he went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the camp where the army was going out to fight and shouting for the battle. Don't miss that. A lot of shouting, a lot of words, a lot of dressing up, a lot of pomp, a lot of circumstances. They're having church, right? Yeah. Okay, verse 22, and David left his supply in the hand of the supply keeper. He ran to the army. He came and greeted his brothers. And as they talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath. Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines and spoke according to the same words. And so David heard them. David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they fled from him and they were dreadfully, dreadfully afraid. And so the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches and will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. And David spoke to the men who was standing by him, and he said, what are you talking about, Willis? <laughs> Uh, come again. Oh, wait a second. I, my, my phone had some static. Can, can you tell me that? Wait, wait. One more time. What shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? Notice, number. you got to see this. Notice that David had God's people in mind. There's the heart of the shepherd. Are you seeing this? Tell me what will be done who takes away the reproach from Israel. Watch this, <laughs> this line. Here we go. Uh, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies 
of the living God. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Now, I want you to grasp this tonight because, see, David wasn't being carnal. He was actually taking it to another level. He was saying, this man has no covenant with God. Are you hearing me tonight? He was not being carnal, not being crass. He was not being silly. He was saying, he's coming, and he's defying the armies of the living God. And let me tell you who he is. He doesn't have any covenant with God. He has no covenant with God. He's uncovered, and we can take him. Are you with me tonight? And the people answered in this matter, saying, so shall it be done for the man who kills him. And so... Eliab, the oldest brother, he heard when, the, when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger aroused against David. And he said, why, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I, I know your pride. I know your insolence of your heart. For you've come down here just to see the battle. And David, he responds, and he says, well, uh, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him towards another and said the same thing. And these people answered him as the first ones did. Before we read verse 31, I, I want to stop and I have to grab this gem tonight. Because see, if the enemy can't stop you, if the enemy cannot stop you with intimidation and mockery and fear, sometimes he will even use those closest to you, unfortunately, in the family to speak things over you that are not true. And now Eliab is saying, look, I, I know your heart. You're, you're so prideful. Listen, there's good news tonight. The Holy Spirit is courting you. The Holy Spirit is wooing you. The Holy Spirit is courting you for this hour. For this time, Leonard Ravenhill was the one who famously said that the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of that opportunity. The opportunity of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of that opportunity. And now here David is now walking into a divine conver a convergence for his moment in time. To step forward courageously and now being mocked. Listen, you step out to do anything for God, the mockers will find your address. You step out to do anything for God. I'm here to help you tonight. I'm your friend. I'm here to help you tonight to find triumph and victory over this. No one is exempt from the mockers, but you need to be strong and courageous in that hour, and you need to turn your back to them, just like David did with Ella. You turn your back, and you shut the door behind you. When the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and he sent for him. Wow. 
See, I got to preach this tonight. I got to preach this. You don't, you never know who's listening. You never really know who's listening or watching. I'm telling, there are people waiting for you to stand up bold as a lion. There are people that need to hear the sound, clear voice of the Spirit that comes out of you. And I have a feeling that when you start flowing in the anointing, that what you say is going to take flight and carry in the wind. And it may actually land in ears that surprise you. And you too may be summonsed, like David. Uh, t- tell me what you're saying. Let, 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 let me hear what you're saying. I'm telling you what, this is a prophetic word over some of you in this room right now. And you're going to be summoned by the Spirit of God because you're going to get word. And you're going to have the words to say. His words landed back to Saul. Are you with me? David said to Saul, let no man's heart. I'm in verse 32. Are you there? Come on, are you there? Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. Saul answered David. He said, you're not able to go against this Philistine and fight with him. You're just a youth. He's a man of war. From the days of his youth, David said to Saul, your servant, he used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took the lamb out of the flock, I went after it and I struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by the beard. I struck it, and I killed it. And your servant has killed both a lion and a bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing that he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Whoa. Whoa. See, David's history was working for him. David's memory was working for him. I got to say this again. David's history was working, paying really good dividends. You cannot forget where you have been with God. You cannot forget what God has done in you. You cannot forget what God has done in your family line. You cannot forget how God delivered you. And you know what's awesome? Because he stewarded his history right, he already saw it done. Because that is what faith does. That is what faith does. You have to give me a high five. I I don't know what you... Kathy's staring at me. 
Mark, help me out. <sighs> okay, Kathy. Faith, faith sees it as already done. See, you're gaining momentum. Now, I'm, I'm here stirring and breathing on the coals of your faith tonight. I'm blowing on the coals of your faith tonight. Because you need to remember what God has done, where you have been, the mileage you have clocked in between you and the Holy Spirit so that your flame can come alive. When your faith comes alive, when your faith comes alive, you know what happens? You talk like David. You see it as done. I killed the, I killed the lion. I killed the bear. And you know what? I'm going to kill him as well. And he's going to drop just like they dropped. See, see, he was talking bold. Don't you love this? This is for us tonight. This is for us tonight. We're not just reading a good story. This is for us tonight. What verse am I in? Somebody help me out. Come on. You all are funny. 33, 37. Bingo. Where are we at? 37. Thank you. Moreover, let's just read it again. The Lord said... Or excuse me, yeah, the Lord delivered me from the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear. He will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. Now, I love that. I love that. So Saul, he clothed David in armor, put on a bronze helmet on his head, clothed him with the coat of mail. David fastened the sword to his armor, and he tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said, Saul, uh, I can't even walk in this. I've not even tested this. And so David took them off. I, I, can't, I can't jump past this because this is important. It's amazing that this, this is cataloged. This history is so cataloged for us in 2019 that we're still reviewing the gems that the Holy Spirit releases to us. See, because when David began to speak faith in that tent, I want to tell you, the entire atmosphere of that tent began to shift. One more time. When David began to speak faith in the atmosphere of that tent, everything started changing. They went from fear, they went from a dead end to now Saul is blessing him to go in the power of the Lord. You see, you see that? You can't miss this. But not only that, when faith starts talking, solutions and potential is released into the atmosphere. I'm telling you what. We're... It is, we're in a torrential downpour of propaganda. And you can't let any of that contaminate your life in this hour. You have got to keep your faith well fed and nourished in the Word of God so that you are speaking and declaring what the Lord shall do. I'm telling you what, I was going to bed last night praying, 
Lord, from danger zones to victory zones. From danger zones. I'm declaring it over our southern border. I'm declaring it over DHS, Department of Homeland Security. I'm declaring it, and it's going to happen. God's got to raise up the right people. They're in such a mess in DHS right now. We need leaders emerging and arising right now that are fearless to take the reins and take our southern border back. We need some Davids in the tent. I'm going to say that again. We need some Davids in the tent. My God. So he tried to put on him armor that was not tested. Things that he had never used before. Once again, you got to go with what works. You know what works? The anointing. The anointing on your life works. The Word of God, the Word of God believed by your heart works. You know, you know what David had going for him, Brett? You know what David had going for him? He believed God. Let me tell you, if there's anything that I have going for me in my young life, it's because I believe God. And if we're going to have anything going on for us in this region or in this state or in this nation, it's because we have believed the word of the Lord. Man, I'm preaching. You're quiet tonight. Thank you. So David took it off. Verse 40. He took a staff in his hand. He chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook. He put them in the shepherd's bag, in the pouch which he had had, and his sling was in his hand. And he drew near to the Philistine. we got just a few verses to go. You ready? So the Philistine came. He began drawing near to David. And the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and he saw David, he disdained or he despised him for he was a youth, he was ruddy, he was good looking. And so the Philistine said, "What, David, am I a dog? Did you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Notice that. In other words, he was using witchcraft against him. Don't you miss this tonight? It wasn't just intimidation. It wasn't just mockery. Now he's gone to a whole nother level of witchcraft, of trying to curse him by his gods. But it didn't work. <laughs> and when the Philistines said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And David said to the Philistine, you've come with me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin, but I've come to you in the name of the Lord God of hosts, the, the God of the angel armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, circle those two words, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you, and I will take your head from you. Whoa. This day I'll give your carcass to the camp of the Philistines and the, and the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. 
Come on. See, I want to make this clear. God is looking for men and women. Jeff, Faith Highfield. Caleb Bosky. Josiah Gibbs. He is looking for men and women who will not get confused with the assignment. Who will not rally people to themselves, but will rally the people to the glory and the power of Almighty God. David was always going to be a rallying point. It was never about him. Although he was being falsely accused, oh, it's all about him. We know the evil that's in your heart. You're prideful, you're arrogant. It was never about David, and David knew it. Don't you miss this? That all the earth may know there is a God in Israel. I'm telling you what. The anointing, the presence and the power of God that's going to come on your life in the near future is going to glorify God in such a radical way for this nation. My God, do I have to come and get you tonight? There is such an anointing that God is going to release on his sons and daughters in the time coming that you are going to display the very majesty, the power, the splendor, the holiness of Almighty God. And people will say, there is a God, a true God in America. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord and he will give it into our hands. And so it was when the Philistine arose and he came and he drew near David. David hurried and ran towards the army to meet the Philistine. Oh my gosh, I love this. See, he took the offensive in the spirit. The moment, that, that, the moment Goliath began to move, he took the offensive and he moved towards him. And I'm telling you, we are not the company of people where we're just gathering in church for another night, acting like we're doing God a nice favor. You gave a good offering tonight. You sang some praises and here we are. No, I'm telling you, you are getting equipped here at Victory. You are getting equipped. You are getting an anointing. You are getting a fire for this hour that you have the clear word of the Lord and that my God in heaven that you begin to move on the offensive in the spirit to meet the task ahead I'm not only preaching to you I'm preaching to me. Ha <laughs> ha. I was in Washington one day. It's not stories I often tell. I'm in, a, I'm in a room with everybody who's everybody in a secret place. I'm having lunch with Jensen Franklin and, 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 and Dutch Sheets and some people that are pretty bad at the bone who know how to use their swords and be mighty in God. And, and we had a few people slip through the cracks and... And a guy was trying to, you know, check me out. And uh, so, uh, so how big's your church? And dot, 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 dot. 
I said, oh, I just have a few sheep down in Sarasota. What do you mean a few sheep? Like, how big is your church? I said, does it really matter? No. Let me tell you something. If you'll just keep being faithful. These are words that I've lived by. If you just keep being faithful. You may be surprised where God picks you up and drops you into to be used. There are secrets why doors open. You don't have to be a a mega church leader to be a mighty leader in the kingdom of God. You don't don't have to have 5,000 followers on your Twitter to be mighty in God. I I have eight Twitter followers on my Twitter. Uh, Jim, I'm really working at it. I'm working hard. There's people watching me around the country right now live. You need to know I've got eight Twitter followers. Go count them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I'm working hard at it. That's because I've tweeted one time, and I don't know how many years. God's going to raise you up. You're his voice. You're his voice. You're his voice. You're his messengers. You're his ambassadors. David took the offensive in the spirit. He was a forerunner. Did you get it? He ran at the end. He was a forerunner. He was a, say it, he was a forerunner. Say it again. He was a forerunner. That's who you are. David put his hand in the bag. He took out the stone. And he slung it, and he struck the Philistine in the forehead, and so the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. Ha, ha, but it doesn't end there. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore, David ran. Say it. David. Yeah. You see that? He ran. Watch this. He stood over the Philistine. He took his sword. (laughs) He took his enemy's sword. He drew it from its sheath, and he killed him. And cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. First time I was in Israel, Donna, I was sitting in the city of David. And I was looking over the valley there up to the Mount of Olives. And all of these memories began to flood my mind through Scripture. And I began to turn to the northeast where the Valley of Elah is, where David would have came in holding the head of Goliath walking into Jerusalem. (laughs) What a day. What a day. Can you imagine what that day? 
See, when we get there, I'm going to watch it on Blu-ray, like over and over and over. I'm just going to be... Josiah, Josiah, come here. What? Yes. He walked in to Jerusalem holding the head of Goliath. You know, he took his sword too. Did you know that? Think about that. You know, you know David took Goliath's sword that day? That's what Scripture says. Could you imagine what it was like sitting in a tent with David on a low-lit night with oil lamps? Young men pointing over to the corner and going, oh, my gosh, there's Goliath's sword. Will you tell us the story again? Yeah, I'll tell you the story. (laughs) Tell us about the lion's share that happened that day. Yeah, I'll tell you the story. See, I'm telling you, there is territory that you are anointed to conquer. There is territory in your families. You were anointed to conquer. There is, a, there is territory in your extended family. You're, you're the only voice that is the voice that can be that voice. And you must be that voice. None of us know how far God could raise us up and take us to. It's not about being famous. It's not about being seen. It's about being effective. It's about being successful. That when you stand before God, He will look at you and say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. It says, The people who know their God, they will be strong and they will do exploits. I want to read that over you again. The people who know their God shall be strong and they shall do exploits. I love that. This word is for us tonight. The word is to them that will believe. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 13. I'm going to wind this down. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 13, it says, It is written, I have believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith. Since we have, that was a good one. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe, therefore we speak. See, I'm in the same story. I'm still with David. We're just clocking in the miles tonight. He believed it, he saw it, he spoke it. Lily, he believed it, he saw it, he spoke it. He believed it, he saw it, he spoke it. That is what faith will always do. You cannot help but speak it. You cannot help Jeremiah the prophet. He said the word is in me like a burning fire in my bones. Woe to me if I be silent and try to hold it in. You harm your own spirit when you don't declare and speak faith and believe God. You can confuse your spirit. 
Are you with me? Hebrews 10, verse 23. I'm glad to see you're putting it in your notes tonight. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. One more, James chapter 1, verse 6. James 1 and 6. But let him ask in faith without doubting or wavering, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea. He's driven and he's tossed by the wind. I want to say it again. See, David saw it done. This is the victorious mindset. He saw it done. It's the victorious mindset. He saw it done. I want you to write this down tonight. I want you to go back later. I want you to write down 1 Kings chapter 21. And I want you to read the first 9, 10 verses. I'm going to wrap this up tonight with this story. It's a man by the name of Naboth. And this is the time when Ahab, King Ahab, and his evil demonic minion wife, Jezebel, was ruling over Israel. You can put your Bibles aside if you wish. I'm just going to tell you the story. Put it in your notes tonight. But what happened was is that Ahab, what, what are we doing right now? Is Brian about just ready to tell another story? No, I'm moving you in the prophetic. I'm moving you in the prophetic. Okay? So... Ahab wanted this vineyard, this land by the name, this guy's name was Naboth. And Ahab went and said, hey, I'll buy this land. I'll find you a piece of land that's even better. Just give me this land. He wanted the land because it was right next to Ahab and Jezebel's property in their palace. And he said, here's the key words. He says, no, 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 I can't do that. He said, this land was given to me. As an inheritance. Don't you miss the words. This land was given to me as an inheritance. And so Ahab, being the mighty leader that he was, went in his poopy diaper, laid down on his bed, cried some tears, pouted, pouted like a little sissy pansy. That's what the scripture says. His wife came in. She said, what's up, girly man? What's the matter? Oh, I, I want Naboth's land. He wouldn't give it to me. I asked him for it. He wouldn't give it to me. She's like, buck up. What's the matter with you? She's like, you want the land? You take the land. And then she said, well, let's devise a plan. Let's have some sinister men come in and tell lies about him and give false accusations over his life to destroy him. Let's stir up some false accusations. Let's use some witchcraft. Let's use some intimidation and manipulate the minds of the people, but let's do it by calling a fast. That was a mic drop. Are, are you tracking with me? Let's use something religious and wrap it all in something religious to 
gain the hearts of the people by calling a fast. Then when we call fast, we'll call these sinister people in, these wicked people that we've spewed these lies to, to stand up in front of the mass of people during the fast and say that Naboth has blasphemed God so we can take him out of town and stone him. And that's exactly what they did. I want you to hear this tonight. I can't give you the land because it is my inheritance. Now, we're in an epic war. We're we're in an epic warfare. We're in an epic time. We're in an epic season. We have been given an amazing, breathtaking inheritance of this nation. God has not called you to be some sweet little Christian thinking that God's putting little gold stars on the fridge because you're so sweet. You know what I found? Sweet Christians don't get much done. I don't like hearing that, Brian. Well, suck it up. Buck it up. Us being a little sweet, nice. I'm not saying you can't have the fruit of the Spirit. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that God wants to grow us in such a way that we become fierce. Our prayer in this house is that we literally become an incubator where we move from a transition and a transformation where literally lambs become lions. Because this hour demands it. We have an inheritance of land that has been given to us. And every enemy of hell is trying to destroy this country. And too many preachers stand up and just keep feeding the sheep silly little inspirational messages like peanuts and popcorn and cotton candy. And the saints love it because it helps insulate their world from the reality and the intensity of controversy. It's not who we are. It's not who we are. It's not why God called my wife and I back to this city and this region. It's not what we'll ever be and make no apology for it. This is a house. This is a place where God wants to light your fire. This is a house where God wants to light your fire to make you so bold, so brave, so holy. Let me tell you something. Holiness will make you brave. Holiness will put a courage and a sternness in you to stand and march tall. Holiness will put in you a spirit of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that says if God doesn't deliver us, we're marching right into that fire. We have an inheritance that God has given us. And we can't make any deals about it. 
I pray that the Holy Spirit would take this message to you that are listening, to whoever's listening, watching this, and will brand this message in your spirit and in your heart. You and I are being anointed to ride into the danger zone. You and I are being anointed to ride into the danger zone. Oh, it will be dangerous, but it'll also be glorious. Would you stand to your feet tonight? Thank you for listening to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. For more information, go to our website at victoryfla.com.